Amen. Well, we are in 1 Samuel chapter 27. And as we go through the life of David, his life has so many lessons for us. His life has great lessons as we've been experiencing, but we also know that there are not so very great ones. And so as, we, as we've been going through 1 Samuel, as we've been looking at David, the great lessons that we learned most recently were just how to love our enemies. And we looked at 1 Samuel 24 for that. And then we talked about how to overcome our enemies. And we looked at this in chapter 26. And today is a time where we're going to learn a lesson not so very great from David, which is how the enemy can overcome us. Okay? And the title of today's message is The Enemy That Can Overcome Us. Okay? And, and as we think about this, right, it's, it's something to meditate on. How can the enemy overcome us? Okay? And as we think about this, I want to give you sort of some insight on David's life. David is at a point in his life where he became tired. Okay? David came to a point where he was weary. David came to a point of saying, you know what, this is hard. As he received the, as he was going through just the, the relentless attacks from King Saul. The fact that King Saul was on him constantly. The fact that he was on the run for the last seven plus years. And he became tired. He was constantly overlooking his shoulder. Because he was on the run day and night. And with all of this, David became very tired. And I want to to give you further insight on this. Because see, David had... 600 men with him. And having 600 men, understand this, that they also had family with them. So, David himself had his own family. He had two wives with him. And everyone was looking to David for provision as well as protection. And to think about this, right, as, as you're constantly on the run, it's been over seven years and and you're thinking about the promises from God and, and all that God had shared with them. And the enemy constantly is attacking and you don't see God answering. You don't see God moving. You don't see any light at the end. And so David becomes tired. He becomes weary. And I want to share this with you that it can happen to many of us. And this is why Paul reminds us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. How many of us have been here? How many of us have been at a place of weariness, at a place of being tired? And I, as we read this verse, it gives us the effects Or the consequences of growing weary. And you know what they are? You begin to lose heart. That's what happens. When we become weary. When we become tired. And we begin to lose heart. And I want to share with you what happens when you lose heart. 
When you lose heart, guess what happens? You stop trusting God. You stop believing in His promises. And we stop looking to God for help. And I know that many of us can relate to this. Many of us have been here. When the attacks are so heavy and we get so tired that we stop trusting God. We stop believing in His promises. And this is what happens to many believers. And let me share this with you. When you allow this to begin to happen, guess who begins to take control? Guess who begins to influence us? Guess who begins to overcome us? That is the devil. See, when we move God out, I want you to know this. When you stop trusting, when you stop believing, when we move God out, then the devil moves in. Okay, remember that. When we move God out, the devil begins to move in. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this from David's experience. We're going to see what David began to do as he began to grow weary, as he began to lose heart. We're going to see where he ends up. And these are the lessons that we learn from him because any of us can be overcome by the devil and his tactics. And so let's read 1 Samuel chapter 27. And it begins here in verse 1 by saying, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. Then David arose and went over with the six hundred men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath. He and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives, Aholnoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath. So he sought him no more. Then David said to Achish, If I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Zyklag that day. Therefore Zyklag had belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. And David and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. And whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, 
but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. Then Achish would say, where, where have you made a raid today? And David would say, against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area of the Jeremelites, or against the southern area of the Kenites. David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, lest they should inform on us, saying, thus David did. And thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, He has made his people Israel utterly abhor him, therefore he will be my servant forever. And we're going to read the first two verses of chapter 28. It says here, Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war, to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, You will surely know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. So David said to Achish, Surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. Okay, so as, as we read here, we see, you know, David, David as he deals there with, as he befriends there the, the Philistines, and he befriends the enemy. And as we see this today, there are many lessons for us to learn. And we're going to look at seven lessons today. So as we look at this, right, let's begin to read verse 1, and we'll go verse by verse and see the lessons that the Lord wants us to know. Verse 1 says, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. You know, as we read this first verse, what's amazing about this is that the writer who wrote this, right, he begins to reveal the heart of David. He allows us to come right into his heart and see the issues in the heart of David. And I want to remind you of this because, see, the Word of God does this for us. As we look at Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And what the Word of God is doing, it is revealing the thoughts and the intents of the heart of David. Okay, that's what it's doing. It's revealing this to us. It's revealing what's in his heart. And this is what's so awesome is that, is that the writer begins to share with us exactly what is going on in the heart of David. Okay? And as I give you, as we read this, I'm going to give you, as I mentioned, seven lessons. And the first lesson I want you to know is in this very first verse. And I want to read it to you. It says, And David said in his heart. Okay? David said in his heart. I'm going to give you the first lesson. The first lesson is this. 
Do not trust your emotions. Okay? This is what we're reading here. David said in his heart, Now I will perish by the hand of Saul. David said in his heart, There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in the part in any part of Israel. So David said in his heart, I shall escape out of his hand. I want you to know one thing here. As we're reading this, we are not seeing David seeking the Lord. I want you to know this. We are not seeing David praying. We are not seeing David asking God for direction. Do you remember David made the same mistake with Nabal? Do you remember the husband of Abigail, Nabal? David was so upset at Nabal because Nabal would not give his men any food. And so because he rejected David and his men, David said, I'm going to wipe out Nabal. I'm going to take out his family. And so Abigail was sent by the Lord to remind David that vengeance is of the Lord. It's not for you to do, but it's mine. And so David, at that time, he never prayed. He never sought the Lord. He never asked the Lord. He never inquired of the Lord. Lord, do you want me? Do you want me to wipe out Nabal? He just says, you know what? I'm doing it. And so as we see this, right, as we see that, that David isn't looking to the Lord, He's not inquiring of the Lord. How many of us are finding ourselves in this state of mind? How many of us have stopped praying? How many of us were so diligent in our prayers? And all of a sudden we stopped praying. All of a sudden we stopped asking God for directions. We begin to try to work things out on our own. We begin to, to stop asking God for help. And we're saying to ourselves, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I know how to solve it. I know how to do this. See, we can easily find ourselves just like David, right? Saying in, in, our own, in his own heart. We find ourselves saying these same things in our own heart. But let me remind you of this. There was a time when David was seeking and inquiring of the Lord. He was doing this, but when it came to Nabal and when it came to this time, he stopped seeking the Lord. Let me show you an example when he was seeking the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 2. It says this, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. So we see here, right? He's basically inquiring of the Lord. And this is just a few chapters prior. See, there was a time when David was seeking God for everything. And now he finds himself working out his own problems. And why is David like this? Why is David beginning to do this? Why has he stopped seeking the Lord? I'm going to share this with you. As we see here. As you can read the despair that's in him. As, as the writer is giving us insight into the heart of David. Look at what he's saying. <clears throat> now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistine. There's nothing better for me. There's nothing better than, 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 than this. 
And Saul will get tired to seek me anymore in the part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. I want you to know one thing is that David is weary. David is tired. David is tired of waiting for God's promises. He is growing weary because he hasn't seen no answers. See, are we at this point? And see, this is what we learn from David. This is why the Word of God speaks to us. Are we no longer trusting God? Are we, going, are we coming to a place of trusting our own abilities and taking matters into our own hands? I want to remind you of what happens when you do this. Remember, before you came to know the Lord, the mess that you made out of your life. And when you begin to take matters into your own hands, you once again make a mess out of your life. See, when God is out of the equation, then there is a lot of turmoil. There is a lot of problems. And this is what we see happening with David. I want to read to you from Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. As King Solomon shared this wisdom for us to hang on to. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. See, the wisdom from God is reminding us to trust in Him only. Not to lean on your own understanding. Not to be wise in your own eyes. We've been called to acknowledge Him. And when we acknowledge Him, when we come to Him, He will direct your path. See, God knows how our hearts can deceive us. But I want you to know this important truth. His truth and His Word will never deceive you. You know, as we look at verse 1... As David is talking or, or saying in his own heart, look at what he says. You know what he says that? I shall perish. I need to escape. I shall escape. See, David's eyes are on himself. You see all the eyes, eyes, eyes. He is looking at himself. And where is God during this time? See, during this time, David stopped believing in God. I want you to know that. He stopped believing in the promises of God. Let me rephrase that. He stopped believing in the promises of God. That's what he stopped believing in. He stopped trusting in the Lord and he started trusting in himself. And how many of us come to a place like this where we stop believing in the promises of God? When we begin to take matters into our own hands, when we stop waiting, when we stop trusting, when we begin to make decisions on our own without inquiring of the Lord, when there are major choices to make and we don't look to God for these. See, prior to this, I want to remind you of something that God had been speaking to David and he spoke through various people. He even spoke through the enemies of David. See, God had spoken through Jonathan, the son of King Saul. He spoke through him that one day he would be king. 1 Samuel 23, beginning in verse 16 through 17. Jonathan said that, David, this was the son of Saul. You're going to be king one day. 
But David at this time forgets about that. See, even God spoke through Abigail, right? Nabal's wife. Now widow and now a wife to David. He even spoke through her. God used her. God was, God, Abigail was God's mouthpiece. And she even told David that he would be king one day in 1 Samuel 25 from verses 28 through 30. And even the enemy of David, I want you to know this, even the enemy of David, which was King Saul, told David himself that he would be king one day in 1 Samuel 24 verse 20 and 1 Samuel 26 verse 25. He told them, you're going to be king. And let us not forget Samuel, who had by this time passed away. And Samuel told David that you will be king. You are the anointed. You are the chosen of God. And yet we see now David. He's running. He's tired. He's, gro- he's grown weary. And he's not looking to God, but he's looking in his own heart. And we see the decisions that he makes. Let's look at it in verse 2. It says, Then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. Do you remember when I said when we move God out, the devil moves in? When we move God out, when we stop trusting, when we move God out, the devil moves in. David is so weary that guess what he does? He joins the enemy. This is what he's doing. He's joining the enemy. And this is a second lesson for us today. Do not join the enemy. Do not join the enemy. See, when we stop inquiring of the Lord, when we stop seeking the Lord, we find ourselves in the enemy's domain. That's what we see here. See, David has now joined the enemy. He is blinded by his despair, by his weariness, that he has lost heart and he has joined the enemy. David has gone to Achish, the king of Gath, in the land of the Philistines. And for King Achish, right, he's saying to himself, hey, you know what? I want to have David, right, because... The word got out that Saul was pursuing David. They knew that David was an ant, that David was, I mean, that David was like a, like a flea. Remember he said that, right? He was like a flea and, and Saul was going everywhere trying to find David. And for seven years he was doing this. It's, it's seven plus years by now. And so everyone knows, everyone in the land knows that, that Saul is a, that David, that Saul has made himself an enemy to David. And so, King Achish, I want you to know, says, hey, I welcome you now, David. But we know that at one time it didn't happen like this. Because this isn't the first time that David has met King Achish. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, beginning in verse 10 through 15, this is a time when David played the madman. Remember the time when, at the time, the, the Philistines were unaware that Saul, that David was Saul's number one enemy. And so David feared his life. 
Because at that time he was killing. He was killing the enemy. And I want you to know this. Is that he was killed. He was, as we look at this, right? He was. He was, I want you to know this. He was in fear of his life. King Achish and the Philistines knew. They knew one thing. At that time, he was their enemy. But now, seven years later, he is no longer the enemy. And so King Achish is saying, why not team up with King David? This way, King David and I can defeat King Saul. This is how he's going to take out Israel. And I wonder, as we look at this, right, as we're thinking about this, how many of us are blinded as we join the enemy, as we join the non-believers? In our homes, at our, our jobs, or with our families. And I want to share this with you. I want to give you some examples. Because see, as I give you these illustrations, they'll hit home and, and they'll speak to us. How many of us, when we lose our jobs, instead of waiting on the Lord, we take any job to make ends meet? Or we compromise our faith to make ends meet? Or what about a place to live? If we lost our home, if we lost our residence... We take the first thing that comes to us, moving in with non-believers just to have a roof over our heads. Instead of trusting the Lord that He would bring us the perfect place to live. See, when we don't pray and seek the Lord, we, many we find ourselves many times joining the enemy. And understand this, it only hurts us. It only messes us, messes with us. And, and, and it's just messes with our lives see you and i cannot join the enemy as we keep reading in verse 3 it says this so david dwelt with a quiche at gath he and his men each man with his household and david with his two wives ahinoam the jezreelitis and abigail the carmelitis Nabal's widow. The writer gives us some insight here. He tells us that all the men and all of their families went to live with the enemy. You know what? This is extremely a sad point in David's life. To bring his family, to bring his own into the enemy's domain. And I want to bring this to your attention because, see, imagine seeing these non-believers, the Philistines. All these things that they were doing, they were living with them. They came into their town. I mean, they came into Gath. They came into their city. They came into this place. And they're looking at the Philistines doing all of these things. Imagine the bad company that they were in. Even though we're not told anything here, I must remind you of one important truth, which brings me to point number three. The enemy will corrupt you. The enemy will corrupt you. And this is what we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, 
where it says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Imagine what David exposed his family to. Imagine what he exposed them to. Imagine the men falling prey to the Philistine women, the ungodly people that were around them. Imagine what they were exposed to. I'm sure they were probably taking some of these women. I'm sure they were participating in some of the festivities that the Philistines were doing. Remember, they had to be a part of the enemy now. They, they pretended to be the enemy's friends. And so they had to participate in all of this. See, how many of us have been here before? You know, when we become friends of the enemy, when we become friends of theirs, and we're partying with them, and we're having a good time with them, you know, these are the things that happen, and this is what happens when God isn't leading you anymore. This is exactly what takes place, right? You lead your family, you lead your spouse, you lead your kids into the enemy's domain. And as we keep reading here in verse 4, it says, And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath. So he sought him no more. Let me share this with you. King Saul finds out that David is with the Philistines. So what we read here, right, is that Saul pursues him no more. I want you to know this. David has found rest from King Saul. Okay? And this was David's hopes, right? This was one of the reasons why he came into the land of the Philistines. So what is it that we can learn from this? What is it that we can learn from this? You know what? When God isn't leading you, then the enemy is leading you. And guess what? He doesn't have to pursue you no more. This is what we're reading here. The fact that King Saul was an enemy to David, so he's not pursuing him anymore. And when you have joined the enemy, it leads us to point number four, which is this. There is no peace with the enemy. There is no peace with the enemy. See, King Saul, I want you to know this, was the enemy of David. The Philistines were the enemies of the Israelites. You may experience rest and peace from the attacks of the enemy. But is this really the peace that you're looking for? Think about this, right? The enemy is no longer pursuing you because you've joined them. But is this really the peace that you want? Think about this. David left to receive this peace. But is this really the peace that we want? Can we truly experience true peace? When you're with the enemies, can you truly experience true peace? For one thing, I'm going to share this with you. You will never experience peace of mind. You can never experience peace of mind. See, none of us will ever experience peace when we are no longer led by God. If you are a child of God and have walked away from God's leading, which is what we see David, there will be conviction. There will never be rest. And this will be unbearable. And I'm going to share this with you. You don't have to raise your hands here. 
But how many of you have walked away from the Lord at one time or another? There's many of you in this place that have walked away from the Lord at one time or another. Were you ever at peace? You guys are all, you guys and girls are shaking your head. You will never experience peace. Maybe the attacks of the enemy have stopped. But there can never be a peace of mind. See, your heart can never truly be at peace. And this is why the Lord says in Isaiah 48 verse 22, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. See, if you are in sin or practicing sin, or you have returned to the practice of sin, to the vomit that you left, you will never have peace, says the Lord. See, when you experience peace with God, you know it. When you experience peace with God, you know it, you have it. And I want to share this with you. But if you no longer abide in the peace with God, you will have the absence of true peace. See, you will long for what you once had. And that's what we have here. This is where David was. Even though he had rest from the enemy, even though there was rest from Saul, he would never experience true peace. And let's keep reading. And then David said to Achish, If I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country, that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Zyklag that day. Therefore Zyklag had belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. Okay? David goes, right? David goes to King Achish. This is what it's saying. And David asked him for property. He's asking him for property where his men and, the, and their families can dwell. And I want to remind you how many people were with David. See, because we probably don't think about it this way, but I want you to know how many people David was responsible for, how many people David had to provide for, how many people David had to protect. And he had grown weary, right? Trying to, you know what, trying to find rest for all of them, as well as himself. But I want to share with you, David had 600 men. And, it, and if each of them had a wife, that would mean that they, he had 1,200 people with him. And if they had children, they would have an estimate of around fifteen to 2,000 people. Why do you think David is asking for a town? He's not just asking for a town for his 600 men. He has all of these people with him. And imagine constantly on the run from King Saul. Constantly running 24-7. Always looking over their shoulders. Hiding the families and then running themselves. Or leaving men with them and then trying to make Saul go a different way. Not to capture them. See, David was asking for a place. For one, I know this, bad company corrupts good habits. He knew that his people were exposed to sin. They were probably participating in it. And another reason is that David didn't want King Achish to know what he was up to. See, he needed to be outside of the king's view in order to do what he needed to do. 
And so as we read here, that king, the king, uh, king of Kish gives him Zyklag, which is in the southern part of Judah. This is actually part of the territory that God gave Joshua. But yet the Philistines had actually taken control of it. And now David was given this land. And the Bible tells us the insight that we're given is that David was in the land of the Philistines for one year and four months. Can you believe that? He was outside of God's leading for one year and four months. Some of us may be thinking, man, you know what? When I fell back into the world, when I backslid, it was for many years. Maybe it was a year. Maybe it was two years. But what we see here with David is that he was out of God's leading for a year and four months. Which brings me to my fifth point. The enemy will make it hard to leave. The enemy will make it hard to leave. Okay? Whenever you, are, whenever you join the hands of the enemy, I want you to know this. He has a way of giving you things. He has a way of enticing you. He has a way of making things comfortable for you. He has a way of giving you gifts like he gave David, a whole town. Imagine that. He was given a whole town. So how does the enemy make it good for us? I want you to know this. When you're outside of God's will, what does he bring a lot? He brings drugs. He brings alcohol. He brings men. He brings women. He brings money. He brings security. And all of this to what? To make it good for you, right? To feel secure in these things. See, this is what the enemy does. And as we see that here, right? As we see this and and we're talking about how the enemy overcomes us. This is what he wants to do. These are the things that he does. But we know deep down inside that that for us, we can look at this from the outside and we can see the tactics. But when you're in it, you're so blinded to it. As he's bringing all of these things to you. As we keep reading in verse 8, he says, And David and his men went up and raided the Gersherites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. Whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman. Alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. Then Achish would say, Where have you made a raid today? And David would say, Against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area of the Jeramelites, or against the southern area of the Kenites. David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, lest they should inform on us, saying, Thus David did. And thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. Let me break this down for you. Now that David is no longer at Gath, but he's at Zyklag, he was able to strategize, right? He was able to fight the enemy, right? He was still fighting the enemy, the enemies of Israel. Even though he joined the enemy... He was still fighting the enemy, which is crazy, right? Which is, but yet, you know what? That is, that is what's happening here. And, and so he raided the towns 
of the Gershites, of the Gerzites and the Amalekites. And imagine what he does though. He says that he wipes out every man and woman. Why would he wipe out every man and woman? Think about it this way. He wants to make sure that King Achish would never find out what David was doing. See, how many were not meant to die? How many children were not meant to die? How many of them were not meant to die? But yet he was killing every single one of them to cover up his lies. He was murdering all of them to cover up his, his lies. And this leads me to my sixth point here. The enemy leads you. The enemy will lead you. See, when you are not led by God, you will be led by the enemy. And you will do what he does best, which is sin. Okay? That's what he does. I want you to look at what David was doing here. And we're going to read from Revelation 22, verse 14. It says this. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life. And may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices alive. See, I want you to know this. David was not led by the Lord. He was murdering. He was lying. He was deceiving. He was far from the leading of God. See, David stopped believing and trusting in the promises of God and he joined the enemy. See, when we fail to believe the promises, the word of God, we ourselves begin to behave just like our enemies. And look at what it says in verse 12. It says, so Achish believed David, saying he has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Therefore, he will be my servant forever. See, King Achish believed David. Okay? In verse 9, I want you to know, in verse 9, it says that David would take the spoils of the enemy and he would come back to Achish. And guess what he would give Achish? He would give him these spoils. He would give him some of them, right? I want you to know he was deceiving Achish into believing that David was fighting his own people. David was lying. David was telling them that he was killing the people in the southern part of Judah, the Israelites, which were the Jeremalites and the Kenites. These were actually Israelites. And David was telling King Achish that he was killing and raiding those towns. And based on this, King Achish said that he would be his servant forever. And David is fine with his saying this, right? And so let's read the next two verses of chapter 28. It says, now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, you are surely know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. So David said to Achish, surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. This is where I want you to know the rubber meets the road. And how this happens is that the Philistines, they declare war against Israel. And based on David's deception and lies, 
King Achish now expects David to fight with him against his own people. Imagine that, against his own people. And so what does David say? What does David say? How does he respond to King Achish? He doesn't tell him he will do it, but he only says this, you know what I can do. And King Achish takes this as a response of yes. And lets David know that he will be forever his guard. But we know one thing is that David will never fight against his own people. David will never fight against his own people. But he's found himself in a predicament. He's found himself in a place that, you know what, what do I do? See, David never lifted a finger against King Saul. Even though King Saul made himself his enemy, but he never lifted a finger against him. And we know one thing is that he will never fight against his own people. He was called to shepherd his people. He was called to love his own people. How will he fight against his own people? He'll never do it. Which brings me to point number seven. You will never succeed with the enemy. This is for us to take in. We will never succeed with the enemy. How many of us, as we walked away from the Lord, did we continue to succeed? I don't think it happens. When you walk away from the Lord, you don't succeed. And this is what happens, right? In Numbers 32, 23, it says, But if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. See, you and I can never sin, uh, you and I can never continue to succeed. And as we think about this, right, we belong to the Lord. And He will never allow you to succeed apart from Him. He will move you and everything around you to fall apart. This is how the Lord works. See, everything around you will come crashing down. Just like the prodigal son, I want you to know this. As he left the arms of his loving father to go after the things of the world, he came back. He didn't succeed as he joined the enemy. And when we join the enemy, understand this, when it appears that we have been overcome by the enemy, God somehow brings us back to him. And this is what we can rest on. See, we can rest on the fact that God does not allow the enemy to succeed. See, if we belong to God, understand this, God will bring you back. Okay? And this is what happens here, right? This is, God begins to move things. He's sovereign over all things. And as He's sovereign over all things, He begins to, to work things out where you cannot succeed And so he moves us to come back. And this is what's so amazing about our God. Even though we sin, even though sin is abounding in our lives, grace abounds much more. Imagine when we're no longer led by the Lord, but we're led by the enemy, that God is still willing to take us back. I mean, what does this say about our God? I mean, this is why. This is why as we look at the goodness of God, it just brings us back to Him. And this is what we can rest on. But what I'm going to do now, as we finish this, I want to give you three points to remember. Three more points to remember. 
when you are tired and weary, when the enemy wants to overtake you, okay? These are the things that we didn't see David doing, but I want to make sure that we begin to do. Because these are the lessons as we see from David's life. And God wants to give us things that we are to do so that we don't fall into the same trap that David fell. The first is this. Seek the Lord. No matter where you are, no matter how weary, how tired, no matter how you have just fallen short of believing the promises of God, no matter how exhausted you are, you don't give up. You seek the Lord. You muster enough strength to drop to your knees and to seek Him. Because if you're not seeking Him, someone else will lead you. And remember this, no matter how weak you are, drop to your knees, no matter as the devil is pounding and just injecting your mind with all these evil thoughts, drop to your knees and seek the Lord. And God will meet you there. See, this is what we have, right? In James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. See, we are not to be led by our emotions. Don't be like David at this time. At this time, David said in his heart, he didn't seek the Lord. He sought his own heart. The second thing I want you to do is trust His Word. Go back to His Word. Hold on to His Word. Read His Word. Believe His Word. Trust His Word. It's so easy to give up, right? It's so easy to take matters into our own hands. But we can't go there. You've got to just muster enough strength. The faith of a mustard seed. And trust His Word. Remember what the Lord told us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and always acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. Trust in the Lord. Learn to trust in His Word. Learn to believe in His Word. Learn to hang on to His Word. Even when that rope seems like it's just about to break off, continue to hold on. Continue to trust in His Word no matter what. And you will see how God will direct your path. And finally, this third exhortation is to believe in His promises. Believe in His promises. Stop believing in yourself. This is what we were told in Proverbs 3. Stop believing in yourself. You will only lead yourself to a dead end. This is what we did before, right? This is what we were doing before we became believers. We were trusting in ourselves. We were allowing ourselves to lead ourselves. And believe me, whenever you find yourself leading yourself and not believing in the promises of God, you are to do this. From 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know what? Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I, have evil, that I don't have evil thoughts. That I don't have injections from Satan coming into my mind. 
that I don't grow weary, that I don't grow tired. You know what? It's not easy to be a pastor. I want you to know this. It's not an easy thing. We are constantly under the attack of the enemy. We are constantly a target that he goes after. And believe me, when I have these thoughts and these evil things that come into my mind, you know what I start to do? I start to hold them captive. I start to replace these thoughts that I have, these lies of the enemy with the truth of God. I begin to believe in his promises. I begin to believe in the word of God. And this is what we got to hold on to. And believe me, it's not an easy thing to do. It takes practice. But as you begin to do this, you begin to get better and better at it. The enemy is constantly going to be throwing injections of lies, of wickedness in every single one of you. Every single one of us has a bad thought every day. I know this, whether it's in the morning. Some of you have a hundred bad thoughts. Some of you have a thousand bad thoughts. And the enemy is relentless and he keeps putting them and putting them in there. But you know what? You got to hold them captive. Learn to hold them captive. As he says, bringing every thought into captivity. Every thought has to be brought into captivity. You can't allow it to go outside of its boundaries, outside of your mind, into your heart. Because then you begin to do what? You begin to follow through with the lies and the wickedness and the evil. This is why he says you cast down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And you bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This isn't what David did. David failed at this time. But understand this. We find ourselves failing the same way David does. David is a man just like us. And this is what we can learn from David. When David grew weary, when David grew tired, he looked to his own heart. We are to look to God. Remember that. And you will see yourself walking in victory, not being overcome by the enemy. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you as we have these, these lessons from David. We know at this time he walked away from you, Lord. He wasn't being led by you. We know that he was being led by the enemy. And as he was being led by the enemy, we know one thing is that he found himself in a mess. If there are any of you here that find yourselves in a mess, maybe you haven't walked where the Lord has asked you to walk. Maybe you're practicing sin. Maybe the enemy has made it comfortable where you're at. But you know you have no peace within you because there's no peace with God. If you want to make peace with God at this very moment, I'm going to ask you now to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? 
for those of you that raised your hand. I'm going to ask you to repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I see where I'm walking. I don't want to walk there anymore. I see the life that I'm living. I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to return to you. I want to have peace with you. I don't want to be overcome by the enemy. I want to overcome the enemy. And the only way to overcome is with faith. I'm placing my faith in you, Jesus. I'm surrendering my life to you, Jesus. And I want you to lead me. I want you to be the Lord of my life, of my heart. I want you to be my Savior. Holy Spirit, I need your power. I don't want to be leading my life. I don't want my flesh. I don't want the world. I don't want the enemy. I want life. No more destruction. So I give you my heart. I give you my life. I surrender to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.